Erosion. Chapter 7. Never sell the bones of your father and your mother to Ikakas, father of Chief Joseph. Mark faced a large puddle in the middle of the road, racing toward it at 45 miles per hour. He had to decide what to do. In his limited experience with driving, he had heard that tackling a large puddle was best done with speed. Race right through it and the car would spray the water away from the engine, avoiding a drenching stall. He had also heard that fording a large body of water was best done slow as to avoid the splashing, thereby keeping important engine parts dry. He decided the former not only made more sense, but also provided more excitement. When he hit the water, the force was seemingly equivalent to hitting a wall. The car stalled completely, and no matter how hard he turned the key, it just gurgled at him. Mark unloaded a barrage of fists, pounding onto the steering wheel, trying to relieve some of the stupidity and shame he felt. Luckily, there were few people about, and none of them seemed interested in him. He opened the door. The water reached just up to the bottom of the door. For a moment, he wondered how he was going to avoid getting his shoes and pants wet, then decided that that was impossible. He grabbed his shoulder bag and waded out of the puddle to the sidewalk. The little compact looked sad out there in the middle of the road with its head popping out from the water. The tires were completely submerged. He reached into his pocket and flipped open his cell phone. His next step was to call the rental company and explain what happened. Then he'd have to get a new car to take him back to the motel. Just then, he regretted not staying closer to town. Do you need help? someone asked. Mark turned to see a familiar face. He hadn't thought about her in a long time, yet here she was at one of his worst moments. I think I do, he said, and smiled at her. Do you know anything about cars? I drive one, Francine said. Mark thought that she looked great. He always imagined that she would disintegrate with Canyon Park when he left her behind. Somehow, that high school innocence had remained, although she had a mature look, especially in her eyes and the leanness of her face. Her hair was pulled back and stuffed under a brown scarf. He remembered Francine as a blonde, but now her hair was darker. It added to her maturity. She was dressed in a long coat, so he couldn't see her clothes, but on first look she seemed tastefully put together. She held in her arms a brown bag. After a moment of silence, she finally said, I heard you were back in town. The tone in her voice betrayed her emotions as if she were insulted to have heard the news secondhand. I'm sorry about your aunt, she added with much more sympathy. He nodded and looked between Francine and the drowning rental car. He was glad to see this particular person at this particular moment and didn't want to lose an opportunity. Yeah, it's terrible, he said. Is there a dry place around here where I can make a phone call? She looked up the block from where Mark had just driven from the lawyer's office. There's the coffee shop open down there, she said. If I carry your bag, will you join me, he said, hoping that she wasn't on her way somewhere important. Francine looked inside her bag and then shrugged. Sure. He took her bag. Inside were about ten or so hardcover books. All of them looked used. He remembered Francine as a voracious reader, a bookworm. He wondered if she ever went to college and what she had made of herself. Francine Miller was suddenly the most intriguing person he'd met in years. He wanted to slip back into the missing years of her life and account for the person she had become. He suddenly felt embarrassed at writing her off so quickly after leaving Canyon Park. She had obviously met with some success. He followed her into the coffee shop. It looked vaguely familiar. 
He searched for a menu or something to see the name. A sign on the cash register had the name Canyon Park Diner written on it in fancy letters. A woman showed them to a padded booth. They sat opposite and Mark put his bags on the inside toward the window, looking out onto the rain-drenched streets, vacant, as was the diner. A faint scent of must hung in the air, as if no matter what they did, the wet boards would always betray the age of the building. An old disco song that he couldn't place played on a small radio from behind the counter. Dancing Queen, she said. I used to sing this in the mirror when I was little. That's it, I was trying to remember. Just ask me, I'm a vat of useless knowledge. There must be some important stuff in there. This was Manny's old place, remember? Francine said, hanging her wet coat on a hook next to the booth. Mark stood to hang his while searching his memory. It struck him that the diner was the old coffee shop that old Manny ran for a generation or two. Even as late as high school, the place had retained its old 1950s look and feel. Manny let the kids hang around as long as they didn't make trouble and bought at least a soda or a coffee or something. It was the place everyone hung out at nights and weekends. His nostalgia kicked in, thinking of the times he'd spent hanging out with his friends in that place. This place. It was much different now, like a typical diner you'd find anywhere with padded booths and glass dividers. He inhaled the musty scent in a different way. Familiar and warm, not wet and strange. God, I remember this place. Manny died a few years ago, and this Greek family bought it. It's nice now, but the kids can't really hang out like they used to, she said. I remember we'd come here every Friday after practice. He had played football and lacrosse, and Francine was soccer and field hockey. On Fridays, they met up after practice and walked to Manny's to eat something. Then it would be either a movie or someone's house, or drinking in the fields, out of town, near the reservations. In those days, he had much more time to do nothing. I remember, he said for the first time, acknowledging that they actually used to date in high school. So you do have some useful information in there. A waitress dropped off menus and took their orders for coffee. Mark absently flipped through the menu, thinking about what to say. What are you up to now in New York, she said. I heard you're a lawyer. The waitress brought coffees and milk, promising to be back soon to take their orders. Mark leaned back in his seat. Who'd you hear that from? Francine looked embarrassed. She laughed. Your aunt used to come into the library and tell me a little about what you were doing with yourself. I guess since we dated, she felt she owed me an occasional update on your life or something. Library? I run the library now. Don't you need some special degree as a librarian, he asked. You do, but not here necessarily. I graduated with an English degree and started library studies as a master's degree, but never finished. Francine played with her coffee cup. I learned everything as I went. That explains the bag of books you were carrying, he said. Will they buy new ones? You'd be surprised how little the town budget allows for the library. I got those used on eBay. It's a good way to keep costs down. Librarian. Mark said the word aloud as if trying it out for the first time. I never met a librarian outside of a library before. We retire to the catacombs at night to read and file the card catalogs. And type those late fee notices. I have uh, no social life and spend most of my time with the books, she said. I'm your stereotype librarian. I expect to die an old maid, but not before training an unsuspecting apprentice in the dark arts. Don't laugh, it's almost true. Can't be all that bad. It's worse. I actually like it. Do you? I have a few friends and we go out sometimes, but for the most part the library keeps me busy. Must be a good library. Best in town, she said. So how's life in the city? Imagine it's glamorous and exciting in New York City. Don't disappoint. Tell me it's like the movies. Breakfast at Tiffany's, Woody Allen, all that. I like it there, but I miss this old place sometimes. You're kidding. 
No, I do, he said. Especially now that I'm back. It's a different feeling. It's home. I guess I can't imagine wanting to ever come back after I leave. Why, are you? No, but if I do, where would you go? I'd get a job clerking at the New York Public Library or something. I'd do anything just to be able to escape. Your job must be exciting. Not really, he said. My job is boring. You'd think million-dollar real estate deals would be exciting. It's more frustrating than not. There are reams of paperwork on both sides, and everyone has a handout, so you have to file for every little nuance. That's my job in a nutshell. Paperwork. So you'd make a good librarian, Francine said. Perhaps, Mark nodded his head slowly, taking in her expression of mirth. I make a great paper shredder. Hush, she said and nodded to the brown bag. Not in front of the children. Mark liked the Francine Miller she had become. So I'm really sorry about your aunt. She was one of my best customers. She'd actually talk to me once in a while, Francine said, her voice sincere. Much more so than the lawyer, Mr. Kahn. You mentioned that. She put her hand over his. It was electric. A scent came back to him from his youth. A particular perfume or deodorant that she wore. It was very musky and typical of the time. We'd talk about you sometimes, but mostly she would talk about books. She'd mentioned the classics she had read in high school or when she had gone to New York. That was how I thought to go on eBay to buy books for the library. I couldn't find the books she remembered anywhere else. I think she appreciated my effort. When she... Francine stopped. Her eyes filled with tears. When she died, she left some money for the library. I'd like to use it for repairs on the roof. I'm afraid all this rain might damage it. She intended it for novel purchases, but I can get those anytime. Mark really liked who she had become. In high school, Francine seemed nerdy and only just passed for attractive for his clique. He liked her despite the ribbing he got, although Aunt Anne quietly endorsed Francine, if only by not mentioning her at all. Now she was intense, compassionate, and beautiful. All those high school buddies were probably stressing themselves to death in family businesses or frustrated physical laborers recalling glory days past. Here was a woman whose luster compounded for the years, not faded. I won't tell a soul, Mark said, crossing his heart. She pulled her hand off his and his skin felt cold to the open air. She seemed to notice the action, and his face must have betrayed something because she was suddenly demure. I suppose it won't make a difference. Most of the people around here barely come to the library unless I give away free coffee and dessert. This town is dying. Mark leaned back in his seat. Why do you say that, he asked. The waitress arrived before she could answer looking for orders. Do you know what you want, Francine asked him. I'll have... Mark fumbled for the menu and then quickly ordered a turkey sandwich on rye bread with mustard. Francine ordered the same, except with mayo. When the waitress left, he turned back to Francine. Why did you say that, he asked. Mustard doesn't really go with turkey, she said. No, about the town dying. I have a feeling. Francine smiled again. Look around, you can see it yourself. He studied her. In law school, he had opportunity to take seminars on reading people's reactions. He learned in one session that, at times... A person who is uncomfortable with a topic will use humor or sarcasm as a defense mechanism, unconsciously hoping to deflect further inquiry. Just a feeling, he said, trying to pry a little more from her, just enough to begin probing further. There's more to it than just some desperate attempts to restore some old buildings to hide the unemployment and crime. She was silent and looked long at him. He sensed that she knew exactly what he was doing and she was contemplating on how much to let on. Yes, the crime. Well, things have been happening around here lately, she said. Besides the rain, that's a crime. Marginally criminal, she nodded her head. Besides the rain, something illegal? 
Definitely. Was it my family? There's a serial killer in Canyon Park, she said, whispering. Oh, Mark leaned back and sipped his coffee. I know about that. To find out more, please visit www.coincide.blogspot.com. This patio book is a production of Zilco Studios.